0: As always, it is my pleasure that you join me for today's podcast of Second Chance Coaching. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis. If you'd be so kind as to leave me a rating and your feedback, I would very much appreciate it, and it will help others like you to optimally discover this podcast wherever you listen to this and your other favorite podcast. As you know, at Second Chance Coaching, we focus on seeing everyday life, through the eyes of the returning citizen and highlighting the resiliency of the human spirit. I would love to work with you one-on-one, whether you're a returning citizen or coaching client seeking your second chance, or you're a representative of a business, college, or university seeking to integrate and support returning citizens in your respective organizational and learning environments. Please feel free to contact me via email at richard at secondchancecoaching.com or via Instagram at the Dr. Richard Books. Second Chance Coaching. As always, it is a joy to join you on this re-entry journey from whichever corner of the world you are listening from. Our Second Chance family continues to expand, and we remain perpetually excited that you are on this journey with us. You know, this past week, there were a couple of significant dates that passed that truly had me thinking about this week's topic. And this week's topic, as, we, as, we, as you see in the show notes, is that who you were yesterday or in the past, is not who you are today, or right now. Remember that the struggle of your past has contributed to your greatness of today, and we'll talk more about how that past has created the building blocks of your success and your greatness. Going back to the dates that we talked about, the first significant date that passed this week was on Monday, May 22nd. This past Monday, May 22nd, marked seven years in which my son, Nanamdi, was murdered in New Orleans. Nanamdi's birthday and his transition anniversary take place within a one month of each other. So while we think of Nanamdi every day, this is a time in a particular particular season in which we think about him, particularly on his birthday. He would have been 27 years young. And of course, this past Monday on his transition anniversary, you know, we think of him, we honor his memory, and of course, we very much love him. If you're interested in donating to the Memorial Scholarship, you will find the information in the show notes and rest assured his scholarship has been so instrumental in making educational dreams come true for so many students that are seeking their second chances, looking to advance themselves, all while living with the burden and and really the mental burden of the thoughts of their parents who are incarcerated while they're matriculating through their college program. Since we're talking about Nanamdi, I wanted to, if you didn't mind, take a few moments that I'd like to talk directly to Nanamdi um, during this podcast in recognition of his transition anniversary. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Nanamdi, this is dead. As you know, it's been seven years since you've left us, and uh, we and... Let me say when I talk about we, the we that I'm referring to primarily is me, you know, your mom, your bonus dad, your sister, your auntie Kathy, your cousin Ayana, and so many countless friends, family, and loved ones who have felt every single day of these last seven years of your absence. They've, they've just felt it. We've all felt it. and I'm, And I'm sure... That physical absence, your physical absence of you not being here will be profoundly felt by us for the rest of our lives. Speaking for myself, you know, I still remember the sound of your voice, the sound of your laughter, the memories of you, me, and your sister going to the beach together, the memories of us playing billiards together, and of course, (laughs) being my right-hand man who would enjoy my PlayStation (laughs) more than I would playing football and uh, playing basketball. You know, kid, please continue to be a guardian angel for us, for us all. You know, as we feel your love forever and ever. And, and rest assured, we'll be reunited again with you in paradise. In the meantime, continue to enjoy that, enjoy paradise. Continue resting in peace. And save for us a table, a place at the table, to have those wonderful boneless barbecue chicken wings that you always love. And uh, one more thing. When you have time, please drop into our dreams from time to time and bless us with that smile and that wonderful laugh. I love you so very much, kid. I will never let you be forgotten. I will never let you be forgotten. I will never let you be forgotten. And I will carry a legacy of love with me for all my days. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you, Second Chance family. Thank you for indulging me and allowing me a few moments to speak to Nanamdi to speak to him, it's always so very much appreciated. The second significant date which passed this week was this past Tuesday, May 23rd, back to back days. This past Tuesday marked 30 years to the day in which I graduated with my Bachelor of Science degree from St. John's University. 30 years, 30 whole years. I remember that graduation day like it was yesterday, but that is certainly certainly a lifetime. And in thinking of that, St. John's University was not even my first choice to go to college when it was time for me to prep and go to college and apply to schools and things of that nature. You know, I tried to keep I kept my aspirations, I guess, low because I didn't want to leave New York at the time. And my biggest academic dream was to go attend the City University of New York, which would be CUNY and specifically Baruch College and major in business administration. I would talk about that with years with my friends now. What the plan would be after I graduated from Baruch, I didn't even think of that. I was so tunnel vision about going to Baruch. I didn't even know what my alternative would be if I didn't get into Baruch. Now, what I didn't think about was that my grades in high school were not stellar. I mean, they weren't on the low end, but they were pretty middle of the pack, pretty average. And I ended up not being accepted into Baruch. I did, as a matter of fact, get accepted into CUNY's New York City Technical College in Brooklyn. Specifically, an associate of applied science program in business. Now, I didn't consider that to be a viable alternative at all. But I think if I was truly investigating my options properly, I would have taken the alternative to go to the City College of New York or some other CUNY college that would have been more to my liking because it's not like Baruch was the only one that had business uh, programs, but that's what I was concentrated on. But to my fault, like I said... I was so tunnel-visioned about Baruch, and I was just so disappointed when I didn't get in. But then in addition, I was doing the compare game. You know, I was comparing myself to other folks, specifically my two close friends who are still very dear friends of me to this day. They were both a year ahead of me in high school, and they were attending schools such as Columbia University and Penn State. I had other friends that were going away to SUNY schools and and going to historically black colleges and universities and other high level private schools. I just did not think that while people are talking about all these high level college experiences that having a conversation with them about going to a two year CUNY school, such as New York city tech, or even staying in the neighborhood of Queensborough community college would have had me really measure up to them. I was doing the compare game. I said, no, I won't, I won't measure up to somebody going to Columbia or Penn state And I'm saying I'm going to New York City Tech or Queensborough. But you know, being a community college professor now and knowing what I know now, there would have been no shame in me going to a two-year CUNY school. And after graduating from that school, I could have sat there and went to Baruch or or go to City College or or going somewhere else. There would have been no shame in taking that alternate route on going on my journey. But you couldn't tell me that back then. Back then you know they looked at community college we looked at community colleges as 13th grade and that was almost shameful to look at it like that and my 17 year old self even though today it's looked upon much differently you couldn't tell my 17 year old self anything different i just didn't see it that way that that was a viable alternative now as i've shared with you in the past i went to st john's university i went to st john's prep high school in astoria and then i naturally applied to st john's university because i was familiar with the school and then of course I got into St. John's University. And funny enough when I got into St. John's University because of my because of my grades not being stellar, they had put me in a 2-year program. They didn't immediately accept they did not immediately accept me into a 4-year program, but I eventually did get in to a 4-year program was able to transfer into that after my first year. But I figured I would go to St. John's because it was closer. I said if I'm not going to get into the school of my choice, I'm just not going to commute far. I'll just go somewhere that's that's close for me to get to. But you know, um, with that said, while it wasn't my while S.J.U. wasn't my first choice, it ended up being such a great choice for me to make. You know, I became part of the school's radio station that I was involved in for four years. I wrote for the school newspaper my last two years there. I got to be one of the individuals who was the new school mascot. We transitioned from being the Red Men to the Red Storm during my time at St. John's. And I became one of the guys that was selected to be the school mascot. And I remember that I um, worked a game, St. John's against Seton Hall, when we could have got a share of the Big East. I think we could have got a share of the Big East at the time. And it was nationally broadcasted on CBS. Part of that prep for the mascot prep is I got to shoot around on the floor on Madis- at Madison Square Garden The world's most famous arena And then I got to perform um, As a mascot for St. John's University On the Madison Square Garden floor You know, I remember that Like it was yesterday Being on the garden floor to perform And shoot around before the game Is just a dream come true For almost every kid from New York City And uh, St. John's University Ended up being that dream place for me to be Not only in that moment But for every day, every day of those four years That I spent there now, with that said, St. John's University is also where I met a former friend of mine who got who started me on my reentry journey. And how did he start me on my reentry journey? He ended up being one of my co-defendants. You know, I know in my heart, then and now, to, to, for all my days, I continue to maintain my innocence. And one way to say, well, you met somebody there. Why would that be? a good look for you. I met plenty of great friends there, great friends at St. John's. I happened to meet him as well, who who became part of my reentry journey. And that's okay, because those struggles helped me become a stronger person, helped me find my voice. And all those years ago, but all those years ago, even when I went through the criminal justice system, being confident in who I was, finding my voice was just not who I was. But like I said at the beginning of today's podcast, who you were is not who you are. I will say again, who you were is not who you are, of course, unless you allow it to be. When I first came home after um, incarceration, January 2024 will mark 23 years I came home from incarceration. And even after going through all of that, I still had not found my voice and i could tell you right right then and there in january of 2000 i think it was 2001 january of 2001 at that moment in my life i still was completely without direction and i think i think that for at more than any other time in my life i was completely without direction i just did not know what was next for me but all i knew was that i was free and i never ever wanted to go back to being incarcerated As I've said in previous podcasts, the adjustment in being home and the shame in which I felt was just so overwhelming. And sometimes the biggest achievement that I did was just really waking up every morning and putting one foot in front of the other in a positive direction. I remember how in my frustration I used to openly say that my college degrees meant nothing given where I was in my life and how I felt I was being passed by in life. By my friends, family, and peers, how I was looked upon by shame from them, and my mother. To, to her benefit, thank God she didn't agree with me. She was just not trying to hear any of that. She would get infuriated every time I would say that, because she knew my college education meant something. She knew that it would that that it would be a key um, to many to many opportunities, but not only opportunities, but the key to go to places that other returning citizens could not immediately go to because statistically a lot of returning citizens don't have that level of education but but she believed because she knew um my intelligence she believed in my intelligence she knew my determination and she believed in my determination and she had that faith in me she had enough faith in both of us because i didn't even have that faith in myself but she but she had that faith in me she had that faith in my determination she had that faith in my intelligence, that that I would make it through, that I would make that I, that I would clear the other side. You know the jobs and cha- the jobs and the challenges I had when I first got home were really humbling experiences. But if I look back upon it, they were rewarding. They were really rewarding because I see how they set me up for success while I was still in New York, and when I ultimately re- and when I ultimately re- relocated to Florida. The roots of those experiences really helped me through. My but throughout all of that, my focus continued to be continued to be staying free, being a good son, being a good brother, being a good uncle. And of course, most and foremost, most of all, being a good dad. I but I and I refused to stay where I was in life. I refused to do that. You know, I began to believe that this was part of the journey. What I was going through was part of the journey. It was not the destination. The, the, The last sentence had not been written. And I continue to believe and still believe that where I was would not be that final place as to where I would be. And I believe that for you too. I really do. I utilize that lesson also with my speech and business students to this day. So many students come to school just like I did when I first came home not completely sure of what the result will be of being there but no know, but knowing in my re-ent- at the beginning of my reentry journey and just like these students know at the beginning of their educational journey they are somewhere i was somewhere matter of fact maybe you are in the same place too that you are somewhere which will take all of us from going from one place to the next as it pertains to my students the the unfailing challenge that would always take place in their minds is the ability to compose successful speeches and the ability to successfully collaborate with other students on various speech and business projects. I recognize this in so many students as that is who I was for so long. A lack of confidence and a lack of belief in what I could do and even doubting, and even doubting in myself, and I see the doubt sometimes in them, is pursuing this education even worth it? I cannot say you know, and I would tell the students this all the time. And I'm telling this to you, too. I can't say that I have the perfect recipe or the magic elixir. but What I continually t- do, what I continually always say to my students about my journey, just like I shared here on this podcast and the added legacy, you know, that the added legacy of my of bringing my mother's love, faith and passion to the classroom And you add that to your determination, You add that to walking around every single day, one foot in front of the other. That gives you, me, them, us, the belief that they do not, you know, that that gives them the belief that they do that they have it in themselves. They have it in themselves. They have the belief that they they could have the belief that through love, faith and passion, all, all the things we bring that you know, they could have that determination. But a lot of times we don't, I don't see that in their eyes. I don't see that in their hearts. I don't see that in their determination. But I always say you don't have it yet. You may not be confident yet. You may not be sure yet. I tell that to the students all the time. But it'll happen. I tell the students that they could achieve anything they want to achieve. Not because it sounds good. Not because it sounds nice. But because it's real. Even in my journey that I share, openly share with them, When I was going forward with getting my doctorate, even in starting that program, even after all I had gone through, I was unsure of what I could do. But as I continued, my confidence grew. The love, faith, and passion of loved ones grew. It sustained me. And the last significant date I will share with you is that next week will mark the five-year anniversary of me earning and graduating with my doctorate. I tell students all the time, I tell my second chance clients all the time, and I'm telling you this right now. If this kid, if me, Richard Lewis, this kid from New York, who was an average high school student, the same kid who could not crack 1,000 on his SATs, even though I took that test three times, the kid who was unsure of his college journey from the beginning, the kid who's a returning citizen, he is now celebrating his fifth year of earning his doctorate. He is now talking to you that he's a tenure track college professor. He's now talking to you that he teaches at a, at universities and colleges. He's teaching. He's taught overseas. He's a consultant. All and 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 there's still more to do. There's still more to be done. And if I could do it, because there's nothing special about me. It's nothing about. It's just determination, faith, and passion, and love. So if I could do it, you could do it. You could do it. And much, much more who I was, who I was when I talked about not being able to crack the SATs and being an average high school student, who I was is not who I am right now. And who you are is not who you will be right now. This is not just talk. It'll work for you too. You know, I've done a little bit of research about some steps and guideposts that will help you and that have helped me to get yourself from where you are to where you want to be there's 12 of these steps that I want to share with you or 12 of these guideposts that I want to share with you number one do not let yesterday's mistakes make you afraid of tomorrow do not get caught up in the mistakes of the past you've learned more from your mistakes than your accomplishments and that helps you not to be afraid of tomorrow simple and plain number two treat every experience as a resource Every experience, good or bad, is your ultimate teacher and an invaluable source of wisdom. Number three, know what drives you. Know what is your why. What is motivating you? Know your focus so you can pursue what it is that you want. Number four, find your sphere of influence. Surround yourself with people who will encourage you, mentor you, and uplift you. Number five, think bigger than yourself. The tests and hardships we go through will boost your courage and will, achieve, and will help you achieve more than you ever thought possible. Number six, grab your map and compass. May, make your plans. Know where you're going. Set your plans on paper. Get that notebook out there. Establish a timeline and move forward. Number seven, find your triggers. Do not let self-destructive behavior, whether it is, whether it is self-sabotage or the player haters, get in your way of, of where you want to go. Your triggers will always be there to test you, but always rise above them. No matter where you are on your reentry journey, the triggers and their sources are ever-present. Even for me, at this very day, the triggers and the haters are still there, and it's always a process to ri- rise above them. It always is. Number eight, remember that the pain of the process is temporary, but the feeling of achievement lasts forever. No explanation needed after that one. Number nine, have faith in baby steps. Every step forward is one step closer. A wise professor once told me in my classes, if you keep going to school without stopping and going nonstop and you keep passing your classes, one day you'll graduate. Simple and plain. Number ten, find your line in the sand. Especially in those times of change, you need to know who you are and what is important to you. What you will tolerate and what you won't, where you could say yes and where you could never compromise. Number 11, make friends with fear. Fear is a powerful motivator fear of staying the same, fear of regressing, fear of not knowing the possibilities of positive change. Definitely make friends with your fear. And last but not least, number 12, reinvent yourself as needed. This does not mean changing who you are, but be open to different methods, ways, or roads of getting to your dream, your optimal destination. So whether you're that person being released from incarceration today, you're being released from prison today, or if you're at the beginning of your re entry journey or you're in the middle of the sustainable part of your reentry journey, you started going back to school, you started a workout program, started a new job, faced with the fear of facing faced with the fear of facing a new challenge or obstacle you're battling a medical challenge no matter what it is who you were is not who you are who you were is not who you are who you were is not who you are thank you everyone as always for sharing your time with me It is always welcomed and appreciated. And I keep listening, keep in touch, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you again for joining us here at Second Chance Coaching. In addition to coaching services for individuals and businesses, I'm also available for speaking engagements and workshops on criminal justice reentry, human resources as well as organizational culture and leadership. Feel free to email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com as well as connect with me on Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. Remember, every day you are given this opportunity for your second chance and I know you'll make the best of it. I love you all and I look forward to connecting with you next time here at Second Chance Coaching.